Hello everyone and welcome back after a brief break to the world of the AirPod, your one-stop shop for all the latest goings on with the British royal family, who are, like the rest of us, still in lockdown. But plenty to talk about and of course I'm not alone, I'm here with Maggie Rooley uh, joining me over the phone, over whatever device that we're using at the moment. I don't really know how we're talking, Maggie, but we are talking. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Omid, how's it going? I know, it, you know, at first there was a novelty, I think, for us and the royals and everyone of lockdown life, and now um, now it's the normal. <laughs> it is. You know, we spent so long using the term the new normal to the point where I banned myself from bringing it into any articles, but I feel like we're now actually in <laughs> I it. did too. I was like, no more new normals in script. <laughs> this is the normal, uh, but clearly everyone is making it work. Yeah, I think what we see time and time again, especially whenever we do these royal recaps, and you're like, wow, people are just, you know, they're making it work best as they can, whether they be royals or, you know, us, or I love some of my local pubs are finally uh, reopening with takeaway pints. So, you know, there's this glimmer of figuring out how to live still. I've got to admit, I'm excited at the prospect of just having a few of life's simple pleasures back I know. in my life again. Uh, it's been a while you, you, since you I've realize, yeah, had sushi you realize you're not even asking for much. Any of the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what's, your, what's the first thing you're going to want? Good question. So I've been in Oxfordshire for the entire lockdown since mid-March. Wow. So I'm back in London in a week's time, just as the UK begins to ease the lockdown over here i've got to admit i've missed sushi i have missed uh coffee from a barista (laughs) because i'm not that great Mm. at making it um i try my best but it's Mm -hmm. just not quite the same um and of course seeing my friends because it's just after a while i don't know about you i think we started this and i was on so many family group chats and zoom calls and with friends and having reunions with co-workers from the past and present and after a while, it starts to tail off a little bit and you start to just crave things to be how they used to be. I know. The Zoom calls are still fun, but you just miss that in-person connection. So hopefully we'll get a little bit of it this summer. I, I have hope, Omid. I do. I have hope. Plus, that I, the have next meet, time I have that we... to meet Yoshi. <laughs> I have hope that the next time that we do this, we'll actually be in that tiny little booth in the ABC Bureau. Oh. <laughs> Just like the old days. Um, And yes, Yoshi is uh, currently recuperating after a couple of procedures, um, but he's doing well. Oh, good. Always giving my love to Yoshi. (laughs) Uh, And other people that we need to show love for this week are Prince Philip, who celebrated his 99th birthday this week. Wow, happy birthday. That's a a big number. Next year, 100. You think they're going to go big? Exactly. Yeah, 100%. Especially after this year. It's quite a subdued... Uh, celebration. I mean, we know Prince Philip is not a fan of big celebrations, especially when it comes to his own birthday. But I thought Buckingham Palace did a great job of just marking the day with a new portrait of the couple taken in the quadrangle at Windsor Castle alongside the Queen. Of course, they've been in lockdown together and through what I would have imagined to have been quite a nice time for them because the Queen is usually so busy, their lives are often quite separate. And I think this is probably the longest that they've been together without having to sort of be apart for moments at a time. So definitely a special time for them. I hear from sources that they had a a small sit-down lunch together uh, just uh, to mark the day. Very, very low-key. 
That, of course, didn't stop members of the royal family from celebrating uh, virtually with them. We saw Kate, William and other family members wishing Prince Philip a happy birthday, posting photos in his honour on Twitter and Instagram. There were some nice photos from Kensington Palace. And, of course, the Sussexes, who are across the pond, uh, but still very much part of the family fold. Uh, Harry, Meghan and Archie all wished Philip a happy 99th so quite a nice day to spend uh, the beginning of his 100th year gosh he's looking good for 99 too that I love that portrait the two of them put out because uh, just thinking of the shared history they had you mentioned that lunch and I just had this image of these two people who have been married for decades they've seen so much of the world they've met like every world leader together and now you're right they have this time to actually be together, to sit down and have a lunch together. And what I wouldn't give to be a fly on the wall during that lunch to hear their conversation, because I just am fascinated by the (laughs) two of them and all that they've been through together. Well, we will get a small fly on the wall moment with the Queen later on in the episode. Uh, She had her first Zoom royal engagement. Um, We got a little peek inside Windsor Castle, and we'll talk about that. We'll also be catching up uh, with the Cambridges and, of course, what the Sussexes have been up to. as well as news on Prince Andrew as well. That has very much been part of the headlines here. Uh, A subject that is probably not my favourite to talk about, but one that does need to be discussed. Uh, But before we get to that, uh, we did hear from the Sussexes this week, uh, or last week, in fact, when uh, the Duchess of Sussex uh, spoke at her high school commencement address Uh, the Immaculate Heart High School class of 2020 in Los Angeles to share words of encouragement uh, as well as memories of her own experience at the all-girls school. But more importantly, uh, this was a powerful speech about George Floyd's death um, alongside uh, remembering uh, Breonna Taylor, uh, Philando Castile, Tamir Rice and others. Uh, It was a really powerful moment from Meghan. We haven't heard her speak for some time, uh, but these words will be remembered uh, for a while. I know that this is not the graduation that you envisioned, and this is not the celebration that you imagined. But I also know that there's a way for us to reframe this for you and to not see this as the end of something, but instead to see this as the beginning of you harnessing all of the work, all the values, all the skills that you have, that you have embodied over the last four years and now you channel that now all of that work gets activated now you get to be part of rebuilding and i know sometimes people say how many times do we need to rebuild well you know what we are going to rebuild and rebuild and rebuild until it is rebuilt because when the foundation is broken so are we you are going to lead with love you are going to lead with compassion you are going to use your voice You're going to use your voice in a stronger way than you've ever been able to, because most of you are 18 or you're going to turn 18, so you're going to vote. You are going to have empathy for those who don't see the world through the same lens that you do, because with as diverse and vibrant and open-minded as I know the teachings at Immaculate Heart are, I know you know that Black Lives Matter. So I am already excited for what you are going to do in the world. You are equipped. You are ready. 
We need you and you are prepared. For me, it was just also so good to hear from Megan again. You know, I think that she's spoken very passionately about topics like this before. She's spoken about race. She's spoken about racism. She's spoken about being a woman, all of these things. Uh, but again, like you said, we haven't necessarily heard her speak with so much passion in a little while. And to, to hear her again, especially in a moment like we are right now when um, words matter so much and people with her platform speaking out matter so much. You know, it was just, it was Megan in her element, being able to share advice, share her own experiences. It was heartwarming. It was full of passion and grace. And it, it was just really powerful to see her speaking to young people about an issue that's so important right now. Uh, again, not just in the United States, even following uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and protests around the world. So for her to speak right now on this, it, it's sort of like one she had to, but I'm so happy she rose to the occasion. Mm, I heard at the time that she really felt compelled to directly address address the situation and of course speak to the young women of what's what's happening in their country but also remind them of the power that they have to really be a part mm. of the future uh, so much needs to change um, and of course so much hasn't changed for many many generations uh, to sort of black Americans. And so I think to hear her speak, of course, she is the only biracial member of the British royal family. Mm. And I think a lot of people, for that reason alone, uh, were looking forward to hearing from her. We know that she's already um, um, passionate in this particular subject. Um, and I think the timing was just right. Uh, there had been some sort of talk throughout the week. People were wondering when she might speak. This engagement uh, with Immaculate Heart High School had actually been in the books for some time. And her original speech, uh, I think, had been written uh, some time before actually any of the events happened uh, sort of with George Floyd's death and following. But I think as soon as that happened, she knew that she had to change it. But she still managed to weave in some of her memories of uh, sort of finding her own voice in the sort of world of activism at the school and some of the moments there that had inspired her. I, she also, of course, uh, made the very important point that for the young girls at this school, they do all have the choice and the power to vote and to use that vote wisely. Um, and I think to hear that from a member of the royal family, we don't often hear members of the yeah. royal family mention anything well, to do yeah, with politics. Yeah, this is what I wanted to ask you, Omid. You know, we had been talking about this a bit, and I've, I've read some articles that sort of make the, make the question, um, would she have been able to do this if she was still living in Britain, if she was still, you know, technically a working member of the royal family? Do you know, would she have been able to, do you think, make a statement like this? It's interesting because I heard some royal commentators or commentators in general suggesting that it would have been impossible for Meghan mm. to make these marks as a working member of the royal family. But actually, we have to really, if we dissect what this was, she wasn't telling anyone who to vote for. In fact, she wasn't even mm -hmm. referring to the presidential election. I think this was really a point of reminding people that they can see change on every level, whether it's picking the right local councillors, uh, getting involved in mayoral elections, and of course, the presidential election itself. There was no words in there about who to vote for. And I think that mm -hmm. we've seen members of the royal family go near the subject of uh, voting or, of course, Brexit. We've heard Prince William address some of the issues surrounding Brexit at the time. So... I personally don't think there would have been any issues there. And more importantly, 
you know, away from any issue to do with this that anyone might deem political, this really is a human rights crisis. This is about uh, anti-black racism in the US and around the world. And uh, as Meghan, a representative of the Commonwealth as a member of the British royal family, which is predominantly black, it's so important to hear people within the House of Windsor speaking up on the subject. And I've actually been quite surprised that we haven't heard more from other members of the royal family. Um, I think this area, this grey area of politics or not politics, may have something to do with that. But we also haven't heard much from members of the royal family in the past on the issue of racism. And I do hope that that's something that will change over time, because what I, and I'm sure you feel the same, the last few weeks has been quite emotionally testing. I think that we've all been forced to confront realities of the world that we're in, whether we're in the UK or in the US or elsewhere, um, and the role that we play in that, whether that's by not doing enough, not saying enough, or in some cases being part of the problem. And so I think that we've really started this incredible conversation around the subject. And I would love to see uh, public figures, senior members of the royal family engaging in that conversation because it's so important. If we look at the impact that the Cambridges had mm. in the field of mental health alongside Prince Harry, they really changed the conversation surrounding mental health in the UK. That stigma was knocked for good. And we see it continue to crumble as time goes by. And I would love for the same impact to be had on the subject of race and racism. Uh, you know, let's not forget that a member of the royal family was largely affected by racism in the days and months and years leading up to her departure from uh, the family as a working member. So uh, I, I hope that things will change over time. And I think, as we've seen in, in your coverage as well, change is happening. Wow, you make so many good points. I mean... It just um, being a human during this time and living through this time, uh, I think everyone that's watching the movement unfold and becoming a part of the movement, uh, regardless of your race, now all of a sudden has to take a really good hard look at you know what you're doing. Are you just continuing to be a part of the system? Or are you going to stand up and realize that we've been living you know a very racist system for a long time? And have you been a part of that? How can you no longer be a part of that? How can you change going forward? And that's affecting everyone. You know, as, as a journalist, I, I feel like I've been covering these stories, but it's also, as you said, it's been an emotional couple of weeks to actually take a good hard look at yourself as well and realize, oh, there are things that I should be doing better. I've learned from this and always want to be doing better. And when you look at the royal family, I mean, they're obviously watching what's happening. They're obviously feeling these emotions. And so you are kind of waiting for more people to speak out and even to talk, whether it's from a personal level or just things that you have learned. Um, and like you also mentioned, you know, uh, there's been so many blatant examples of racism dealing with Megan when she was working as a part of this royal family. So you sort of w want people to address that as well. You're like, this is the time, you know, if there it should have happened earlier, it didn't, but now it can happen now. And I think we are kind of all waiting for that. Yeah, if there was ever an opportune moment, it's this minute. Uh, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that changes. I think the conversation is here to stay. And I think that we see uh, we've seen sort of beyond the subject of police brutality in the US, it has brought up uh, a wider conversation around the world. Um, conversations are, are relevant to each country. 
you know, every country has its own issues when it comes to racism. Um, in the UK, we've had some very specific conversations about the issues here that may not be uh, relevant in other countries. But the overall message here is is one of equality and getting to that point. Um, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see. You know, it has been interesting for me. Obviously, you know, I'm American. I moved here um, about nine months ago and we've been covering the protests around the globe for our American audience. And uh, we were out there with some of the protesters in the UK last week. And uh, what we heard from them was interesting. They all said sort of the same thing. It was like, we are out here not only in solidarity with America and with what's going on in America, uh, but also because of you know the, the racial injustices that we see happening every day in the UK and in our own country as well. And so it definitely is this movement, like you said, that it's around the globe right now. It's in the UK and people telling really personal stories in Britain of what their life has been like. And they feel like now is this moment they're able to share those stories. After Meghan gave her commencement address, I was curious to know what Harry and Meghan sort of plan to do moving forward. Um, and from speaking with sources close to them, you know, they are already speaking with leaders and individuals at every level to not only learn about what they could perhaps do in this, but also to educate themselves. I think both of them feel like this is a huge uh, learning opportunity for them. And they really want to sort of be able to educate themselves first before figuring out how they can sort of help amid the George Floyd protests and onwards. Um, I think the couple as you've always seen, have sort of always looked at how they can help in communities. And they, of course, stand up for, for equality and equity. And I think it's, you know, unsurprising that they'll also respond to matters of the world, you know, that are before us today. You know, we've already seen them uh, getting involved in some of the relief efforts and supporting frontline workers during the pandemic. And that's something that will continue for them as well. So it'll be very interesting to see what what's to come from them in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, but we did see from Prince Harry something that he had been working on recently uh, with his outlook on conservation. He wrote the uh, letter for an annual report for African Parks, which is the organisation that manages national parks alongside local governments and communities in 11 countries across Africa. We've seen him do a lot of trips related to this organisation and do a lot of work uh, with the non-profit organization and what was really interesting about this letter was you know we've often heard how important this subject of conservation is to harry uh, particularly animal conservation as well um, but he spoke about how becoming a father has changed his outlook on the subject even further i'll read a little passage from it he said since becoming a father i feel the pressure is even greater to ensure we can give our children the future they deserve a future that hasn't been taken away from them and a future full of possibility and opportunity he went on to say i want us all to be able to tell our children that yes we saw this coming and with the determination and help from an extraordinary group of committed individuals we did what was needed to restore these essential ecosystems. So it's a call for action as well as sort of his own reflections. And it's great to see sort of Harry continuing to grow in this field and to want to sort of reach even bigger goals. Yeah, I love that he sort of evoked the, the fact that he's a father now is giving him this new set of passion. And I also appreciated that he sort of tied it into the, the greater... Um, problem that we're facing right now as a world and, and talking about the pandemic as well, because, you know, something that I think is great is drawing awareness about is that 
people that study, you know, pandemics and, and climate and, and biodiversity all say that, you know, lack of biodiversity and climate change has the potential to fuel more of these pandemics. And so, you know, it's great that he is on the forefront of, of being able to talk about this and raising awareness and, you know, kind of saying to everyone, guys, you know, if you don't like the situation we're in right now, which none, none of us do, uh, then we need to actually talk about the environment because that's something that if we don't address could lead to more pandemics and could put us right back here. Absolutely. And he himself writes in this letter that, that, you know, there is some evidence to suggest that the virus, the coronavirus's origins may already be linked to our own exploitation of nature, which is something we all sort of need to take a look at. And this is very much, I think, Harry, uh, he's quite unafraid to speak up on these matters, uh, whether his words will ruffle feathers or, you know, some may disagree with what he says. I think he follows in his father's footsteps in that way of just being sort of unafraid to be outspoken on the matter because the bigger picture is so much more important. And speaking of Prince Charles, uh, we saw him uh, give the opening remarks to the virtual, of course, meeting of UN Commonwealth ambassadors this week. And uh, he spoke in depth about his Great Reset initiative, uh, which is a global call of action to reimagine, reinvent, redesign, reinvigorate and rebalance our world uh, post coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, you're, you're right. When you partner these up, it's like father, like son. They both are having the same passion. And I sort of love that you can see it probably, you know, um, Charles had this passion for, has been working on this for decades. He gave it to Harry. Harry mentions his son when he talks about the environment. There actually is this great family legacy in protecting the environment as well that you see playing out in the royal family. And with this move by Charles in particular, again, I love that it's using the moment that we're living in to actually try to create change. And I think people can sometimes, you know, give the royals a hard time and, and joke, you know, what really do they do? They just do engagements. And they're kind of flippant about it. But you see something like this where, you know, they're talking about the things that a lot of people aren't talking about right now, about how do we move forward? How do we make sure that climate change and sustainable practices are at the forefront of how we recover. And when you look at some of the stuff that they're trying to do and during this reset, I mean, he's trying to raise awareness about where investments are going, are investments going towards green technology and stuff that's going to actually you know, improve our, our, our role in, in this world and dealing with climate change? Are they going to go into things that are hurting the world? And as he points out, you know, right now we have this brief window, this very brief window of opportunity where we're all starting to come out of lockdown. Down. We're talking about how we're going to recover and rebuild. And so I give him credit for jumping in there and, and trying to use, you know, his platform to really raise awareness about the fact that we have a little bit of time. I know everyone has a lot of other problems on their plate right now, but this is also a big one that we need to address now before it gets to be too late. Absolutely. You know, at its, at its heart, as he says, that what lies here is this sort of need to maintain this harmonious balance between people planet and the economy and so far that's something that as a population in the world we haven't managed to do um, but we have to get there soon after the break we'll be catching up with the rest of the family including a few royal firsts um, you thought you'd heard them all with the zoom calls recently but i have more uh, so stick around uh, and we'll fill you in on that now, before we get on to news of working members of the royal family, uh, there's one royal family member that has made headlines this week, uh, but not for their charity work. Prince Andrew uh, was a regular staple in the British papers and around the world this week uh, for allegedly uh, 
dodging requests from the Department of Justice to speak regarding the Jeffrey Epstein investigation. Uh, Prosecutors uh, formally requested or made a request to the British Home Office to speak with Prince Andrew. But of course, this story had twists and turns because we then heard from the Prince's legal team that said that he has indeed offered to speak. Of course, this led to a back and forth of one side saying that he hasn't attempted to speak and another that says that they did. Uh, Maggie, I'm not really sure where this is going, but it doesn't seem productive. It's not. and For a lot of people, I think it's a long time coming. You know, um, the federal government in the U.S. has been investigating Epstein for more than 15 years. And people always kind of knew that Prince Andrew had a relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. Um, And, you know, if, if we go back a little bit, a few years in history. Um, we all kind of remember that infamous photo now probably of Prince Andrew with his arm around a young woman. And, you know, when it comes to Jeffrey Epstein, the entire case against him was all about um, sex trafficking with underage women. And so uh, the fact that that photo existed and the fact that Prince Andrew had been friends with Jeffrey Epstein, you know, his name has always been uh, involved in this investigation. But we should make it very clear that even though the Department of Justice in the U.S. is asking to talk to Andrew, um, it's not that... He He's a suspect in the case. They've made it clear that they're questioning him about the case, but they did confirm that as of now, he's not a suspect in the case. So we do want to make that clear. But at the same time, the photo was out there. If you all remember that Emily Matlas interview from about a year ago, that did not go well for Andrew. That kind of turned public opinion against him as well. So it's been messy for a long time. But now you have this most recent development and you kind of just did the play-by-play and it's accurate and it's confusing and it's confusion, right? Uh, the Department of Justice is saying Andrew's not cooperating. Andrew's legal team is saying, hold up, we said three times we would cooperate. U.S. government came back saying, no, you didn't. Uh, now, this could be, and I stress it's a could, we don't know for sure, but it could just be that the two are actually arguing more over the terms of Andrew's involvement. So perhaps, in a sense, both sides are right. Uh, if that makes sense, you know, they're kind of arguing over the same thing, uh, but it doesn't look good for either one. I mean, the fact that the U.S. government has to use a platform like it does to call out a member of the royal family, that's fairly unprecedented. And they've asked for a formal interview, which is sort of like a subpoena. And so if that goes through in the U.K. courts, then... Uh, Prince Andrew will have to go into court and testify. Um, So again, that would be fairly unprecedented. Again, Andrew, for his part, not currently a suspect, questioning him as part of the case. He said he's cooperating. There's going to be more in this case. I mean, it is already messy. It is already complicated. And we're going to keep talking about it. I think what's uh, difficult here for members of the royal family is that these stories make for uncomfortable reading for anyone. And I think that regardless of whether he has, uh, in fact, uh, put himself forward for questioning as a witness, um, it's clear that neither party is happy with the treatment of, of the other. And I think that really the best way to settle this kind of thing is to actually speak openly and be, be transparent with each other. Uh, most recently, we heard from the US attorney, Jeffrey Berman, who insisted that Andrew has actually repeatedly declined the FBI's requests for an interview, of course, as a witness. And I think that's what's so frustrating with this is that he is being called as a witness. And it's cases like this that really need witnesses to really pull the entire picture together. You know, without Prince Andrew, he is a he creates a puzzle that's missing a piece. Um, The last we heard of it is that his team was saying that it's entirely misleading to say that he's offered zero cooperation. But then when I pushed them to explain what cooperation had been offered, 
they wouldn't explain. So I think all of us would like some clarity on the situation. And the story isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, in fact, a new book is just about to hit the shelves, Prince Andrew Epstein and the Palace, by journalist Nigel Cawthorn, which uh, promises to shed even more details on the relationship between Andrew and Epstein. But uh, in more relevant news to the world of working royals, uh, we have seen a busy full house from all of them, including the Cambridges, who have been very busy behind the scenes, uh, particularly the Duchess of Cambridge, who not only uh, continued on her photography project Hold Still this week, uh, also took part in a virtual engagement. More on that in a second. Uh, But we were just having a chat about the Hold Still project before uh, we recorded this. Uh, Some really great entries there, and I think uh, a perfect project for her. We know that she's a keen photographer. She is a patron of the National Portrait Gallery, uh, who are backing this uh, initiative. In fact, it will be eventually be a virtual exhibit online for the 100 winning photos that the Duchess of Cambridge picks. Uh, so far, they have 12,000 and counting to get through. So best make some time. I love what we were saying before, too, about how it is, it's a great project because this is going to be a time in our lives where we really do. You know, we talked, we're going to talk to our grandkids about the pandemic of 2020 and what life was like. But it, it's important to kind of take make sure that the memories are there, right? We're going to want these photos. And uh, scrolling through some of them that um, Kensington Palace posted, they're really great. And they're taken by regular people. And they're just regular moments that are being captured. But those regular moments are what's so important right now. It, it, the, the the project actually moved me, I think, more than I was anticipating when she when she first talked about it. Um, seeing these photos in real life, they're there's something about them. They're so regular, but so honest and raw and really fitting to this moment. Yeah, it's so real. And in fact, I'd love to see her doing more projects like this. Um, you know, the the real the, the aim of it is to show how families up and down the country have, sh- have sort of demonstrated how they adapted to life during the lockdown. And of course, telling some of the incredible stories about the NHS and social care staff on the front lines, uh, really putting their lives at risk uh, to help others. And I think these pictures will do a great job of telling those stories. We also saw the Duchess speak to staff and clients uh, at one of her patronages this week uh, through, of course, the magic of Zoom call. But there was a twist with this one, unlike the usual calls that we've seen, uh, which are sort of multiple, a mosaic of faces on the screen. This was actually a virtual visit that the Duchess of Cambridge did to to an action on addiction treatment centre. This is a charity that she's a patron of uh, that focuses on helping treat people suffering from various addictions. Of course, we have seen an increase in demand for addiction support, particularly for families uh, during the coronavirus pandemic. And so she visited or virtually visited essential workers at Cloud's House in Wiltshire to really hear more about the work that they're doing and, of course, uh, wish them well and thank them for all the work that they've done. Again, there's just new innovations coming out of this time. I mean, everyone I'm, everyone would rather we didn't have to innovate this way, and I'm sure Kate would rather she could have visited in person. But, you know, all things considered, it's great to see them always 
figuring out a way to make it work. Yeah, I'm also enjoying, <laughs> this is just my own personal hobby. I'm quite enjoying piecing together the homes of members of the royal family through the different backgrounds that we get to see. Oh, yes. <laughs> and their different decorating choices and style. You know, everyone is pausing that Zoom call and trying to peep on their background right now. Exactly. So if anyone from Team Cambridge is listening, and I know sometimes they do, uh, please move the Cambridge camera or the computer that they use uh, slightly somewhere else in the room so I can just see beyond uh, the scope of vision that we've yeah. seen before. Uh, there are some nosy people over here that need to be looked for after. Us? Yeah. <laughs> You're really giving us a lot of entertainment during lockdown, so thank you. <laughs> and in fact, I really enjoyed uh, seeing into the Queen's uh, private space at Winter Castle during her first ever video engagement call. Uh, we saw her alongside Princess Anne marking Carers Week uh, with uh, virtual messages of thanks. It was brilliant. She took part in a video call uh, from uh, her sitting room at Windsor Castle, spending 20 minutes listening to uh, some of the women working, some some of the volunteer care workers um, and hearing about their work. And she was able to ask questions about their experiences during the pandemic and the pressures that they faced. Uh, but we also, more importantly, or not more importantly, just as importantly, got a peek inside that living room. Uh, and it was cool. I've, I've, I've never seen in there before. I enjoyed it. I love that your excitement over the backdrop, you had to check yourself. It's just, it's just as important. I mean, it's just as important. <laughs> it's okay, Omid, I feel you. It's really exciting to see inside the homes. I wonder if there's something there, like if they could even do something for charity where it's um, more of like a peek inside the royal homes and give us a little tour or something. <laughs> I actually was on a conference call and someone had made their background the queen's windsor castle living room background oh, with a so screenshot good. from this call. <laughs> this is proof that many of us in lockdown are busy but perhaps not busy enough yeah <laughs> that's quite true if you have time to make the queen the backdrop of your zoom call <laughs> we have some free time on your hands but it's creative. It's creative. You know, we all have to figure out a way to stay mentally sane and happy during this crazy time. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and we've also, I think what's been great about this period of time is we've also heard from other members of the royal family that perhaps don't make the same headlines that they normally do. And I think front and centre there is uh, Sophie, the Countess of Wessex, who has really played quite a pivotal role in the work that the royal family are doing because not only is she joining Zoom calls, we've seen her out in the field uh, volunteering, helping package uh, meals for different organisations. And I think it's been great to see her really sort of step out. Perhaps, I wouldn't say of the shadow because she's always been a very busy member of the royal family, but perhaps for the British press to give her some more space in the publications that cover the members of the royal family, because we're now able to really sort of see, or for her to have a lot more visibility with the work that she does. Yeah, and I love seeing her on the ground, in the field. I mean, I understand that uh, there's a reason the royals are, are staying in lockdown. You have families, and that's the, what the government is telling you to do. But um, it, it is great that we see Sophie sort of out there uh, you know, taking the safety precautions, but also really helping people on the ground. It's just another whole other element to, I think, her personality and her sort of... Um, 
and she's been around for a long time, I understand. But like you said, all of a sudden it's like her coming out party, if you will. Like she's getting so many much more press and we're really seeing the diversity in her work and, and all the great things that she's doing. Mm. Earlier this week, she actually joined volunteers at the Saints Foundation in Southampton to help pack food and uh, prescription parcels for vulnerable elderly and vulnerable people in, in that area. Um, and there were pictures of that shared on the charity site. But I think what's great about Sophie is that she's quite low key. Uh, we don't often get a heads up from her office about the work that she's doing. She just sort of goes out there and does it and hopes that people will cover it. And it was interesting to also hear a little bit more about the Wessex's family life in an interview she gave to the Sunday Times last week, uh, where she revealed that her children were likely to be expected to work outside of the royal family when they grow up. I don't know if that's music to their ears, uh, but she did. <laughs> she said that Can you she... imagine if that was the first they're hearing about it? Like, mom. <laughs> right. She said that uh, she, they're really trying to, her and Edward are trying to bring them up with the understanding that they're very likely to have to work for a living. And I think it's great to instill that work ethic uh, in sort of young royals of the future. Uh, we don't know what working model the royal family will have in the future, whether it will be the same, whether the funding will be the same. And I think that relatability is so important. And I think to raise children uh, where HRH titles aren't important uh, or their background isn't the be-all and end-all that sort of establishes who they are in society is, is a great message to send out. It makes them more well-rounded to know the people that they're trying to help as well. You know, if you are a part of the royal family, you have to make sure you don't become uh, so kind of insulated from the rest of the world that you don't even know how to relate to other people. And so it's, it's a great lesson that she's teaching her kids. Yeah, the interviewer actually asked uh, Sophie if, if she felt that the children were sort of receiving a normal childhood. And her response was, what's normal? They go to a regular school. They go to their friends for sleepovers and parties. At weekends, we do lots of dog walking and stay with friends. And then she went on to say, I guess not everyone's grandparents live in a castle, but where you're going is not the most important part or who they are. When they're with the queen, she is just their grandmother. And that brings us to the end of our show this week. I, you know, every week I always wonder what it is that we're going to be talking about. And you kind of look back to the past seven days and it's always a lot uh, maggie i hope that next time we meet again it will be in person oh me too uh, i miss you and i need to meet yoshi <laughs> yeah. uh, for anyone that is not familiar with who yoshi is he's my dog so um just oh, in case yeah, you're wondering if he's a very cute dog he's in a cone right now but we're all wishing him that he feels better soon well that takes us to the end of the show this week and before we go i just want to say thank you to everyone that tweets in always really positive and uh, sweet messages um it's great to hear that you guys enjoy the show uh despite the erratic timetable and i wanted to say thank you for your patience during this time because it hasn't always been easy putting together a podcast during uh, a lockdown i am far away from london and the studio that this is normally done in uh without access to a lot of the bells and whistles that uh, i usually rely on uh, and as you know this is a show that is very much guest driven uh but I can't thank Maggie enough uh, for helping me keep it going during this time. And I'm looking forward to getting back to things as they were, especially for the AirPod. Uh, big thanks, as always, to the guys in New York for helping bring everything I send over to life. Uh, Leighton Schneider, Mike Dubusky and Anthony Alley. I am forever in your debt. Uh, and to everyone listening, please stay safe. 
stay well, look after each other, love each other, and until next time, take care.